everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Lambert Lovebirds podcast. I'm Rob. And I'm Andy. And we're the Lambert Lovebirds. And uh, hey, we want to say thank you so much for listening and tuning in. Um, make sure wherever you get your podcast that you subscribe. And if you leave us a review on iTunes, that is super helpful. And if you tell a friend about the show, uh, maybe you hear something uh, that we talk about. Maybe we start a conversation that you think would be really helpful and you share that with a friend. Man, that is really, really helpful to us. And we really appreciate that. So thank you guys so much for doing that. Now, in our intro episode, uh, we kind of took uh, some time to explain who we were and kind of help set the table and uh, sort of show you the lens that maybe we're viewing the world through and, and give you some insight into that. And at the end of that episode, I mentioned that for our very first episode, kind of official episode, we were going to talk about these times that we're living in and especially when it comes to the coronavirus and stuff like that and just some of the changes in rhythm and kind of what the new normal might look like. We're definitely going to talk about that probably next episode. <laughs> definitely next episode. But we we just, uh, man, as things are changing so quickly in the world around us, we just felt like, you know what, there's something that is far more appropriate and poignant to sort of start a conversation about mm -hmm. and to process out loud together. And that is just some of the um, the protests that we're seeing mm -hmm. and some of the, the calls for justice that we're seeing uh, all around the country right now. And these are times that in some ways um, feel a little bit scary. Also, in some ways feel like uh, there's change coming and people's voices are finally being heard. And so uh, it's, just a, it's just a really uh, intense time. And it, it has caused us to sort of have conversations and processes together about um, just what we're seeing mm -hmm. and some of the internal things that we're working through with with some of the stuff. And so we thought, man, it would be really cool to just kind of start a conversation about that. Yeah, sure. We just want to invite you, um, as Rob said, into the conversation around what we're seeing um, around racial oppression. I know that's a very big word, but we're living in a very big time that is calling out um, some things that are worth talking about more than worth talking about. And so um, it is with great concern <laughs> heavy hearts and a desire for love and justice that we are starting this conversation. So, um, Rob, do you mind telling us a little about a little bit about the events that led up to this season that we are in right now? Yeah. So, uh, there's been, I mean, over, over the last few decades, I think there's been different situations that have gone down where we've seen, uh, people of color who have been, um, just honestly, I'm trying to think of a way to put it that doesn't sound as bad. And once again, there it is. There's my white, is honestly, bad. honestly, and we'll get deep into that. Like that's my white privilege getting ready to talk, but really it's people of color who are being treated atrociously. Um, and it's, it's been something that has been happening again and again and again. And I love recently, uh, just the last few days, I read a tweet by, uh, Will Smith, where he said that, you know, racism in this country isn't growing. It's just now finally being filmed. Sure. This is a time where. Of great awareness. We can all see the truth of what is happening. And uh, in some ways, that's an awakening that needs to happen, I think. And so most recently, though, there's been a few uh, situations that have gone down. And, and two of them that are the most well known in this time. Uh, were just a couple of weeks ago, uh, a young man named Ahmad Arbery was um, 
was shot and killed uh, in uh, in a neighborhood uh, when he was going for a jog. And uh, I don't know all the details of that, but what I know is that a couple of men basically stopped him and um, it was a very scary situation and he ended up getting shot at the end of it. And um, that should not have happened. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, even more recently and probably the one that most people are talking about right now and that is the most fresh is George Floyd, a man who, um, if you've seen the video, I mean, it's hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in some ways, I'll just say it, I think in some ways it's important to watch it. It's important yeah. to see the way that a hu- one human being is treating another human being. Um, but this is a man who was pulled out of his vehicle, was going to be placed under arrest, and then proceeded basically to have a guy put his knee on the back of his neck for uh, somewhere between nine and 14 minutes when he was saying, I, I can't breathe, you know, help me please. And eventually he stopped responding and the man continued to hold him down. And then eventually they found out that we've he been talking about it is almost too much for my heart and absolutely stomach. Absolutely. But he ended up dying in that moment. Mm-hmm. And because of that, uh, and, and many other situations that have happened uh, all throughout, you know, the last few years, we're sitting in a time now where things have sort of compounded and come to a head and we're seeing these protests that are happening all over the country. Sure. We're seeing, uh, you know, I recently have been on, uh, I'm one who likes to stay away from mainstream media because of of the agenda and the bias that happens there. But um, something like Periscope has been very helpful because these are citizen journalists who are on the ground, in the crowd, in the midst of it, showing you what's happening. And so we're seeing these protests that are happening in places like Washington, D.C., L.A., San Jose, Sacramento. Uh, I mean, truly all over Minneapolis, the country. Minneapolis, Indianapolis, mm-hmm. New York. It's happening everywhere. And we're seeing people come together and voice a, a and, and basically raise their voice to say, this is not okay. This kind of stuff cannot continue. Um, and it's sort of, even in this time when we've seen something like coronavirus be the main thing that's been hard for people. It almost feels like coronavirus in some ways uh, has it taken took a back seat. Yeah, has taken a back seat <laughs> to this because this is a, it's a huge it's a huge thing and it's something that's been around for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. So there has been a few different instances that was a catalyst of our, this conversation of um, racism in America that is a big thing to talk about. And so, um, you know, over the course of I mean, probably several years, but more recently, um, within the last couple of months, it has started big conversations in our home of what are we missing? What um, what do I experience? So just to give a little history in our marriage, I am a Mexican woman. Um, I am the granddaughter of immigrants from Mexico. And so um, our family history is really beautiful in how we got to America. My dad's experience of being a farm worker as a child and traveling around to different states um, in a van as a field worker and all of that fun stuff is part of my history that I love and that I'm proud of and has made me the woman that I am. And um, Rob is a white man being raised by a single white woman. And so he comes with a beautiful story of his own. And so together we get to kind of talk about some really big things about um, how that has shaped us and then also 
Rob has been a good question asker of my experience in the world. And we've also just had experiences throughout our marriage of people commenting on race or one time you were called a racist by some students <laughs> against Mexicans and you got to introduce them to me and say, actually, my family <laughs> is Mexican. Um, so we've had several things like that throughout our life that we that started big conversations about race. But more recently, um, the conversations have shifted from, hey, what do you experience and, and what do I experience to um, what kind of world do we live in? What world are we creating for our children? Um, we adopted our daughter, who we mentioned in the first episode, who is half black, half white. We have a birth daughter who is now half Mexican, half white. And so we have a lot of culture in our family of four that we need to start being really intentional about and understanding all of those backgrounds well to raise strong women who are proud of where they came from, who are proud of their family line and who know their culture well. And so... Um, We've been doing a lot of great talks about what that looks like in our home. Yeah, I think I don't I don't know what it is about this current situation. But I know that for me it's caused me to do a lot of internal reflection and process because and I think some of that has to do with conversations that I'm having with people. I think part of that has to do with things that I'm seeing on social media, things that I'm seeing in the news. But the fact of the matter is, is like, okay, so I am a white heterosexual Christian male, mm-hmm. you know? And so sometimes it feels like, what does my, what is my voice, you know, have to add to, or what does it have to, why why is my voice relevant in this conversation? Because mm-hmm. in some ways I'm the poster child of um You are the problem. What yeah, what oppression mm-hmm. what oppression looks like. And it and there's something about these last few months, and maybe it's the slower pace. Maybe it's the ability to have some of the noise die down in other ways to really take a look at things. But I know that some of the stuff that I'm processing through. Like if I can just get super vulnerable, maybe even like in a way that feels a little scary, but like there's been times in the past when I've heard the term white privilege. Mm-hmm. And if I'm being a hundred percent honest, it's something that never sat well with me. Sure. It was something that, that like at times would almost not make me angry that someone would claim that, but that I would just have this feeling of like, that's not me. That's not me. Sure. That, that's not me. And there was a, a live stream that you were watching this morning uh, of a church that, um, which I think in just an amazing show of um, just awareness of the time and solidarity with what's happening, decided, you know what, rather than our usual thing, we're going to get together with, we're going to get a panel of people together um, from our congregation, people of color, and we're just going to devote this time to sort of starting a conversation that helps us become more educated and more aware in the things that we're just missing. And one of the things that the, one of the guys on the panel said there that I loved is he said, Hey, look, white privilege is a thing, but it's, and it's something that you need to acknowledge, but it's not something you need to be ashamed of. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not asking you to be ashamed of that. I just need you to know that that is a thing. And I, as I started to think about that, and I also started to process looking at the riot, the, the, the riots and the protesting and seeing things on social media where there's people who are saying, and I, and I don't want, I'm not trying to shame anybody. I'm not trying to call anybody out because we're all kind of working through this and processing it in our own way. 
but I'm seeing things on social media where people are saying like, Hey, you know, your, your, your rioting is not helping anything, or that's not the right way to do it. Or, you know, breaking things and burning things is not going to help anybody. You're, you're, you're not helping the situation, but I'm also watching the videos. I'm watching the stuff on Periscope. I'm watching the live streams of people who are there in the midst of it. And, and sort of the parallel that I'm drawing that in no way does it any justice, but that was, that was helpful for me was I thought of moments where I've been on both sides of this interaction where you get so angry about something that you kind of blow up and the person across from you says, Hey, you need to calm down. You need to calm down. And in, and in that moment, it's almost the worst thing that they can say to you is you need to calm down. You need to calm oh, down. Oh, sure. And I know Said, that. <laughs> amen to every woman, every woman who is married. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I know I've been on both sides of that. I've been the person yeah. losing my cool and somebody telling me to calm down. And I know that's Sorry not helpful. That. <laughs> and then I've been the other person on the other side who's been like, hey, you need to calm down. Yeah, yeah. All of us have been in that position where we've been told we need to calm down and that never helps. No. And I think about those moments where I think in those moments where I lost my cool and I got that angry, I didn't need somebody to tell me, hey, you need to calm down. Hey, your anger's not productive. Hey, the way that you're handling your emotion in this moment is not going to help anything. Instead, I need somebody in that moment to enter in and just say, hey, I don't understand what you're feeling. I don't understand where you're coming from, but I know that what you're feeling is big and love requires me to enter into that with you. Yeah. And I just think of, it's so easy for me as a white male to be on social media and to be saying things like, hey, that's not helping. Hey, you need to take it easy. Hey, everybody needs to calm down. Damn, please don't. (laughs) When the fact of the matter is, I am not starting from a place Mm -hmm. and nor will I ever truly understand the road that has brought the black community to where they are now. Yeah. And my, my, the best thing I can do in this moment is not to tell them to calm down, is not to tell them, Hey, what you're doing is not helping. It's not productive. I, I'm trying to understand and to educate myself. And I feel like in this moment, the best thing I can do is to just enter in and say, I don't understand and I never will fully grasp what you're feeling, but what you're feeling is real. Yeah. And I want to love you well in the midst of it. Yeah. I think too, like, I know we talked about this earlier with friends. Um, the way I view riot- rioting is it's almost like, cause we've had moments like this in our marriage where it's almost as if there's something so big and important inside of you and you say it in your best way and you, and you just calmly state a need and you feel ignored by your partner or somebody that you trust and you, and you feel ignored. And then the next time it, the same issue comes up and you state it again, sometimes in anger, sometimes in attitude. So not your best, but as clearly as you can. And then you feel ignored because it happens again. <laughs> and then the next time it's just said in anger. And so it's, it's certainly not your, not even close to your best. So best, not so good, really not great. 
and then you feel ignored because they do it one more time and then you just automatically go into explode mode because you've said it your best, you've said it you're not so best and then you entered into, well, I have to try my worst because this is so big and this is so important to me and I said it in my best way several times and my best way didn't work. And so now I'm saying it in the worst version of me with so much anger and passion that 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 is the only way that I it's the last way that I have to get you to hear me like that's what it feels like and I've been in moments like even in our marriage where I've I've explained that to him before where I'm where I'm kind of breaking down my communication I feel like I told you at my best but now I'm telling you at my worst because it's so important I can't stop telling you I'm not going to ignore this side but I've gotten to a point where I'm communicating at my worst. And that's, and that's the way, the way I view rioting. And so um, not that my opinion needs to be out there, not that my opinion needs um, to justify a response or permission for a response, but that is how I can sit in empathy with this season where people feel like that's the way they need to respond. I can sit there in empathy and I can sit there in understanding because we all know moments where our communication wasn't heard well and that's not okay. Um, It's never okay for us to feel like we're not heard and not loved by a people that we love. So yeah, that's my best perspective and understanding of rioting. What I love about your initial conversation when you started um, your white privilege conversation, um, I heard today, so I'm obviously not a white male, (laughs) but I have seen systems that um, are not necessarily set up for me and my people to succeed well. and that, that hasn't led me to anger yet, but I can understand that. But where, when you said, I don't, I don't know how to use my voice, what I love about this season is that um, maybe our, our voices and our perspectives aren't always needed, but maybe our hearts are, that are open to learning and to try and sit in empathy and understanding is what's needed first. And then second, because right now we don't have a full understanding. We're all sitting in process saying there is something we are missing. And the thing that we are missing is so big that it's ruining our society and our unity. And it's making people that we love feel unloved. And that does need to pause the world a little bit. We do need to stop and say, okay, there's something here. Not only will I listen, but I will also stand beside you as you talk and fight for your right to be heard. Um, but as, but now that you have my full attention, with eagerness, learn, and then with eagerness, change. And hopefully, um, it's it starts to change a lot of our systems as we know it, our institutions as we know it, and it changes in a positive way. Um, but I think right now, there's so much like maybe pressure to say something and get our thoughts and our perspectives out there because this is so big and we feel big too. We feel these big emotions and these big like, um, need to, to know how to help. And, but maybe our words aren't always needed, but just our, um, Okay, so for example, 
just to make it a little bit more tangible, I do have people in my life who are black and I, I reached out immediately to my black brothers and sisters and said, this is, there's a lot of hurt in the black community right now. How can I help? How can I pray? And um, luckily that led to some really great conversations and was great for my heart even to know that people that I love, um, I know how they feel right now. <laughs> you know, that's, it's important for me to know that they are okay or even if they're not okay, it's important for me to know that too. Um, that's probably the most important thing for me to know. And so I think that that's a great place to start that maybe our voices don't need to be out there so big, but our questions do. Yeah, and I think... You know, a lot, a lot of this process is raw. And so, you know, I think we, we, we hold it with open hands, not, not necessarily claiming that we, that we have it all figured out or that like our perspective is like set in stone, but just that in the midst of what's happening, um, you, you can't ignore it. And conversation is the thing that's going to help people be educated and help Mm -hmm. people learn. Um, you know, I know that for me you know again like just being raw and stuff like when I, like i said when i would hear the term white privilege it would like just felt like a little bit of a stab to me that i wasn't mm-hmm. i wasn't a big fan of um but i'm more and more realizing what that what that means yeah. you know even even the ability to sit on social media and be like what's the big deal everybody needs to calm down like to operate from a place like that in some ways I think reflects that concept of, of white privilege because you don't, you're not operating from a place of of past hurt. You're not operating from a place that started uh, from what felt like less than, or if that felt like oppression from the beginning. And so Mm -hmm. it's really interesting because even in this time, you know, like I, the, the, even the word racist Mm -hmm. and the word racism is something that to me is often incredibly uncomfortable and in a lot of ways feels incredibly dangerous Hmm. because I think that's such a big term to, to, to throw, um, towards somebody and, and, and for somebody to sit in and to own and, in the same way that I think that white privilege was hard for me sometimes to swallow. And then hearing the perspective of, um, the, the guy from is it bright city church. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bright city church over on the East coast. Um, when he sort of broke that down for me, I think that that was just so, sort of a barrier that broke for me that helped mm-hmm. me to process in a different way. And in the midst of this time, again, a process that feels incredibly vulnerable and dangerous, but this idea of like, is there an element of racism that's inside of me that's inherent that I don't acknowledge yeah. that I don't always do business with? I think there is. Yeah. And it's hard to say that out loud and it's hard to admit that, but like I find myself like when I hear the story of Ahmad Arbery, mm-hmm. when, when my mind immediately doesn't go to, Oh my God, that is terrible that's horrible that should not have happened and instead there's a part of me that is is there's a part of me that's saying that but then there's a part of me that's going well let me get the facts yeah what's all the details let me get all the details Mm -hmm. or with george floyd you know watching the video and seeing that like 
it doesn't appear like he's like, cause that's another thing is that it's like, Oh, are they resisting? You know, well, if they if they just would stop resisting, well, they're com- yeah. they're coming from situation after situation where it didn't play out well, even if somebody wasn't resisting. And I think George Floyd is an is a great example. Yeah, we don't we don't see any evidence of him resisting or anything. Um, but then I'm seeing articles that are talking about like, well, maybe it wasn't the the knee on the neck that did it, and it, it was it was maybe there was something. Uh, you know, let's wait for the toxicology because maybe there was something in his system that, yeah, that compromised. Like any reason for it to be okay? And so immediately again, there's this like wrestling between, hey, this is this is that was terrible, and well, let me, but hang on, let me get all the facts. Well, yeah. let me get the whole picture, and it's like getting the information and the whole picture. Sure, that will be helpful to understand the context of of the situation and how it unfolded. But the first, like the number one first reaction should be, this is a human being yep. who's being oppressed by and who's being basically, I mean, honestly, is being treated like an animal, like an animal. by another human being, a, a human being treating another as less than. Yep. Um, no detail is going to come out that's going to yeah. justify no that. detail should and matter. so waiting for details doesn't matter right at the Absolutely. end of the day and yeah. so when my brain when my brain sits in that that dichotomy if i'm using the word correctly like trying to wrestle between the two i have to look at that and i have to say like there's an ugliness there why wrestle yeah yeah there's an ugliness there that i have to come to terms with and that i have to do business with because it that's again me operating from a place where i have the ability and the privilege to to start there yeah and it's it's in a lot of ways like like i said i think it's ugly and it's not helpful and so it's just interesting um to kind of process through some of these things during this time. And I guess kind of the, the place that I, I'm still in process, mm-hmm. but I think the place that I'm landing in is that telling people to calm down, telling people that their anger is not productive, telling them that like, I'm not saying that I agree to go out and burn cars mm-hmm. and hurt people. I'm not saying that I agree with that, but I'm also, I'm living in this tension of also saying the answer right now is not to tell people Hey, you just need to calm down. Yeah. Hey, you just need to take it easy because in the fractional experience that I've had in something that is, like I said, fractionally similar and not even close, but is Mm -hmm. like the closest thing in my world that I can tie that to, it was never helpful. Yeah. And what I needed is for somebody to look beyond my anger and to look to my heart and say, what it... And, and it's a buzzword. How I, can I, help? I think it's a buzzword that's used in the church. Uh-huh. That's like, what does love require? Well, what sure. does love require? But when we go beyond and look into the heart and say, I just want to, I want to help you. I want to yeah. understand. I want to be educated. I want to sit with you in this mess that I, that maybe I can't relate to. And I will never, ever fully understand. Mm-hmm. But I know that love requires me to enter into this with you. Yeah. I think that that is going to be astronomically more helpful and help things take a step forward than just having the, having the privilege of saying, Hey, everybody just take it easy and calm down. Yeah. Let's do this differently. Why don't you respond differently? Sure. Yeah. I agree with that. And like, 
Um, another helpful thing I heard from just one of the plethora of um, of people that I'm following that are speaking into this that was enlightening to me um, about, I'm just going to go back to white privilege because I'm hearing you explain that um, and how it's nothing to be ashamed of, but it really is um, a privilege, is they described how it's like being left-hand left-handed and right-handed like we live in a world where the majority of people are predominantly right-handed and so therefore there are plenty of things created that it honors that i mean sure. even the way that we slide our credit cards i'm and a other left-hander like i know that. all about this yes <laughs> and like if you're a baker then you know that a lot of like the pyrex um measuring cups and such are created so that you hold it with your right hand and you can see the measuring on the other side so that it's easy for you to as you're cooking look down see the measurement and go um but if you're left-handed you flip it the other way which means that as you're cooking you can't see that and it just takes an extra spin an extra pause and extra work um which is fine you do the extra work but it is extra and so yeah. um, like that's similar to white privilege where we are living in a country that caters to the white man and it is extra work. And do you feel ashamed of like, man, I was born a white man and so I'm so, so ashamed? Absolutely not. But do you ignore it and, and not recognize that there are systems created that make my step a little bit easier than my brother beside me who has to step two times or three times or four times in order to get just as far. Um, no, I think that's, I think that's where it's a privilege where you get to decide. Mm. You can decide whether you, you don't, yeah, whether you acknowledge that, yeah. whether you look to the other side and say, oh, I, I noticed this, how can I help? Or you can just keep moving on by yeah. <laughs> and you can let them, you can let it take however long for somebody else. Um, and so that's the privilege part, I yeah. think, that you get to decide. Yeah. Well, we're we're definitely at the end of the time here. But mm-hmm. I, I think again, I, I just want to reiterate that, you know, we're thank you for being gracious to us as we sort of process through this and sort of uh hold it with with open hands. Uh I hope that uh it starts conversation. I hope that um as you are looking at your TV, as you're looking at social media. Um, that it's not something that you're ignoring. It's something that you're able to enter into. And it's something that we're able to take a look at and say, hey, the answer here is not to tell people to stop or to calm down, but instead say, hey, in the midst of what has to be incredible hurt that most of us will never truly understand, how can we love people well through that, through the mess of it, through the heart of it, through the beauty of some of it that will come, um, how can we just love well? And I think, like you said, a lot of times it doesn't have to do with words. It doesn't have to do with, you know, what we, what, what opinion we can add to it. And instead just has everything to do with entering into a space with people and just being, being there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Anything else that you want to tack on before no, we sign man. off? No, man. We obviously just scratched the surface of a big conversation. Um, and so this is just the start. And I am I am glad for that. I am glad that this season um, is causing our world to pause and ask questions. And I'm hoping that it brings a reevaluation 
of how we move forward in certain institutions, but also even if it's just an awareness um, that causes a different response from from us as people yeah. to live in unity and to live in great love. Um, yeah, my hope for you is that this conversation starts a journey of um, racial literacy. Mm. I hope that this causes a stir in you to start the conversation in the home with your children, um, to listen to the teachers out there who are graciously giving us their opinion of what it looks like to be a black man and woman in this country. Um, and I hope that we pay attention well and allow that to shape and change who we are as individuals, but shape and change the family line that we are leading so that tomorrow is better than today. Oh my gosh. That's so good. That's you always know how to put a bow on it. I love that so much. <laughs> hey guys, thank you uh, again so much for listening. Uh, as always, you can find us on Instagram. Uh, Andy is at is, I'm not going to say at this time. Andy, <laughs> <You just laughs> Andy's on Instagram, Andy K Lambert. And you can also find me on Instagram, Rob Lambert Jr. And uh, we invite you to engage with us there to add to the conversation, uh, DM us, ask us questions, um, help us hear your, your process and, and maybe where, uh, what you're processing and all that good stuff. And something fun that we're doing is we've been using the hashtag Lambert lovebirds for many years now. And so that we will continue to use that as a platform for you to find us, um, for this podcast. So you are welcome to search hashtag Lambert lovebirds and we'll pop right up. Absolutely. And uh, hey, until next week, I'm Rob. And I'm Andy. And we're the Lambert Lovebirds. We will see you then. Yeah.